Thanks for downloading this podcast from Burghead Free Church in Murray, Scotland. We exist to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Our vision is to grow to be a vibrant all-age church of 100 disciples. Find out more at burgheadfreechurch.org. John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Well, good morning. I'm sorry I'm not able to be with you uh, in person today, but nonetheless, as we do every week, we're going to open up the Bible, and uh, we trust, hear God speak to us through it. If you're here for the first time, um, that is our conviction, that the Bible is God's word. And on this special day, just as on every day, we believe that God will speak to us through it. So let me quickly pray that he would help us. Heavenly Father, we pray that on this Remembrance Day, you would speak to us through your word. That we would come to see the greatest sacrifice of all its significance in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At dawn, the ridge emerges massed and done. In the wild purple of the glowering sun, smouldering through spouts of drifted smoke that shroud the menacing scarred slope, and one by one, tanks creep and topple forward to the wire. The barrage roars and lifts, then clumsily bowed with bombs and guns and shovels and battle gear. Men jostle and climb to meet the bristling fire, lines of grey muttering faces masked with fear. They leave their trenches going over the top, while time ticks blank and busy on their wrists, and hope with furtive eyes and grappling fists flounders in mud. Oh Jesus, make it stop. Those are the words of Siegfried Sassoon, poet of the First World War. Now like many people, I had to study these poems at school and at the time I I have to confess they didn't make much of an impact on me. Maybe because I wasn't always a diligent student. But reading them back now, is harrowing. 
just over 103 years ago at 11 a.m. on the 11th of November 1918, the guns on the Western Front fell silent after four years of continuous war. It was meant to be the war to end all wars, but needless to say, it wasn't. That figures and deaths and casualties are so large, so horrendous, you can barely take them in. Nine million dead in that war. 27 million wounded. In the first day alone of the Battle of the Somme, there were 57,000 British casualties. It remains the bloodiest day in the history of the British Army. Oh, Jesus, make it stop. It was meant to be the war to end all wars, except it wasn't. And when you hear those shocking statistics, you would think that it would have taught us. You'd think the horror of it all might have changed us, but it didn't. Conditions at the end of the First World War only served to pay the war, pave the way for the rise of Nazism and the start of the next global conflict just 21 years later and so it was that the remainder of the 20th century became the bloodiest century in all history with more people killed in armed conflict than in all the others combined or so it's estimated at least and so how right it is that today we remember those who've given their lives who, as it were, made the ultimate sacrifice to bring us this peace and freedom that we enjoy. People like me, in my generation, and even my parents' generation, we have never known war on these shores. People like me have been given so much by the people whose names are written on war memorials, across the land, just like our own here in Burghead. But don't let the peace and freedom that we have enjoyed lull you into a false sense of security. Don't believe for a moment that we as a human race have learned our lessons and now we're just heading headlong into the sunlit uplands of peace. Not at all. Around the war world, war wages on. Conflict continues today in Afghanistan. The Taliban, now the government, are dealing with other insurgent forces. War continues there, and in Syria, and in Yemen. The battle against drugs in Mexico is now so violent that it is classed as a war in terms of casualties. Today there is also conflict in Libya, in Mali, there are other regional conflicts in parts of Nigeria. Aggression continues in Myanmar, although the headline writers have moved on. And even for a civilian like me, even for someone who has no direct experience of war, or even I've seen enough to say with Siegfried, Siegfried Sassoon, oh Jesus, please make it stop. And so I suppose today we are what right to wonder, will it ever stop? 
Today we're right to ask the question, what's wrong with mankind? What's wrong with us? And if we can turn Siegfried Sassoon's heartfelt cry into a question, maybe we could ask, will Jesus ever make it stop? Well, the Bible insists that there are answers to these questions, that Jesus does care about war and about suffering, and that Jesus does care about you. And perhaps appropriately today, we will find our answers to the big questions by remembering. Not simply by remembering the First World War or other armed conflicts, but by looking further back into history and remembering the words and actions of Jesus. And so today, here's the first point, the first heading. You'll see it on the screen and also there on your service sheets. Remember the words Jesus spoke. The words of Jesus we had read earlier to us, of course, are hugely famous. Do you remember them? John chapter 15, verse 12. My command, says Jesus, is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, these are some of the most famous words that Jesus ever said. They were said uh, this morning, I'm sure, at war memorials across the nation. If you look close, closely, you'll see that they're actually engraved on war memorials, including ours here. And today, on Remembrance Sunday, these words will be said perhaps more than any other. These are well-known words, but dare I say, they are very often misunderstood words. Now that happens a lot actually with famous words. Famous words become so familiar to us that we quote them or sometimes misquote them and we misunderstand their meaning. So, for example, do you know that Captain Kirk never actually said, beam me up, Scotty? Not in those exact words, anyway. And that well-known proverb, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, that's actually also a misquote. Now, sometimes people aren't misquoted, but sometimes their words are taken out of context and misunderstood for that reason. How many times have you heard the politicians complaining about that one? And I want to suggest to you today that you may have been hearing these famous words of Jesus, but taking them out of context and tragically missing what Jesus is really saying. And that would be a great shame because when we rightly understand what Jesus is saying, well, then actually we'll begin to find answers to Siegfried Sassoon's questions. Will Jesus ever make it stop? Now, of course, it's perfectly natural, especially on Remembrance Day, to read these words and think of those who've fallen in battle. Greater love has no one than this to lay down their life for their friends. Now, we think of those who gave their lives in war for their friends on the front line. 
We think of those who, who died in conflict to protect us at home. And today, of course, we give thanks to God for all of that. But Jesus, of course, said these words some 1,900 years before the First World War that we so often commemorate on days like this. So he obviously wasn't speaking about that, not in the first place anyway. So who was he speaking to and what did he mean? Well, that brings us to our second heading today. Again, on the screen and on your sheet, it's this. Remember the greatest sacrifice. You may have noticed that Jesus says these famous words to his friends, his disciples. He knows he isn't going to be with them very much longer. And so he tells them, verse 12, to love each other. And we instinctively know that that's a good command, don't we? Look down at verse 12, if you have a Bible open, little number 12. Jesus said, my command to you is this, love one another as I have loved you. And how different our planet would be if that command that Jesus gave was obeyed by all of us. If all of us sought love and unity between all people, if we ourselves were to act in love consistently, well, that would be a perfect world, wouldn't it? That would be the world we all want. But you know as well as I do that that's not the world we see around us. All around us, we don't see peace and love and unity between people. Today of all days, that should be clear. Around us, nations are at war. Too many governments are led by selfish and corrupt individuals lining their own pockets at the expense of others. And all around us, we see selfishness and greed and a hunger for power. And aren't all of these things the things that start armed conflict? But let's be real. Let's get honest. The problem is not just out there. The selfishness and the greed and this habit for conflict, it's not just out there in other people. If we're honest, we know it's also in here, in our own hearts, in me and in you. As you look around the world today at the war in Yemen and the mobs in Pakistan and at intense political division in the United States and in Europe, as you look at a world where children go hungry and sex slaves are trafficked by the millions and many, many people, millions of people are migrating just to get away from it all and find a better life. As you look around the world, you are bound to ask, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world? Well, the Bible gives a clear and an uncomfortable answer. What's wrong with the world? We are. I am. You are. The heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. Now, of course, I don't mean that muscle that pumps blood around your body. I mean our human nature. 
We were made for love. That's why Jesus' command is so good. Love one another as I have loved you. Most of all, we were made to live in a loving and obedient relationship with God himself. We were made to live under God's good commands. But let's be honest, that's not the way we've lived. Each one of us has chosen instead to break God's loving commands, to push God out of the picture of our lives, and to insist instead on our rules, our way in our lives. And the Bible calls that sin. Sin is the great tragedy. But not just that, it's not just a tragedy. Sin is also, says the Bible, treason. Sin is the great treason at the heart of the universe. John Amory was a British subject. He was born in London in 1912. He was a staunch anti-communist, but he came to embrace Nazism. Amory told his family that he had traveled to Spain to fight Franco in the Spanish Civil War, which was a lie. He actually went traveling around Europe visiting fascist movements. During the Second World War, he met with Hitler, who was impressed by this young Brit. And from a base in Germany, Amory waged a campaign of radio broadcasts into Britain to stir up the fascist movement back home. He was eventually captured by the British, tried, found guilty of treason against the king, and executed. John Amory was a treasonous rebel. But the shocking claim of the Bible is that we too, you and I, are also treasonous rebels. That you and I are also traitors, not against the British crown, but against the King of Kings, against God himself. Now, we don't all embrace the evils of Nazism, of course not. But our nature is still to reject God, our King, and to live our lives our way, by our rules. That treason, says the Bible, is the heart of of all of our problems. It is the great tragedy of our world. A world, if you like, full of little mini kings like you and I, ignoring God and serving our own selfish aims instead. And what is the result of all of this sin? Well, it's war and conflict. Whether that's the, the little wars and conflicts that rage inside our own hearts or these huge global catastrophes. All of it is the result of our sin and selfishness. It leads to war and conflict. What's wrong with the world? We are. The heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. And that explains why our world is the way it is. The truth is, whether we know it or not, we've all been at war with God. Now you might well ask, 
What can be done about all this? How can we solve this problem that, that leads to conflicts, be they great or small? Well, some people will tell you that the answer is to try harder. Try harder to be better people. That's what some will say. For example, to quote Gandhi, be the change you want to see. If we could just all be better individuals, then that might add up to a better world. But there are two problems with that. The first is that that's another misquote. Gandhi actually never said that, not in those exact words at least. But the second, much more serious problem is that it doesn't work. The Bible is much more realistic. It says that there is something corrupted and broken about us. So that as a human race, left to our own devices, we are simply not able to change our hearts. Don't hear me wrong. We as people do have the capacity for doing great good. That's why today is a day when we remember the heroism of so many people who've given so much. No, we're a cocktail of the good and the bad. The good because we're made in the image of a good God. And the bad, well, because that image is marred and broken by sin. And we cannot fix ourselves. And so war, whilst it's always dreadful in a broken world like ours, yes, is sometimes necessary. So what can be done to fix our broken world? Well, here's where Jesus' words are so amazing. When Jesus said, greater love has no one than this to lay down their life for their friends, he wasn't primarily talking about soldiers in armed conflict, though of course we're grateful for their sacrifice. No, Jesus was talking about himself. Not long after he said those words, Jesus went to die on a cross. He gave his life. He made the ultimate sacrifice. And it can bring us peace and freedom. Let me explain how. See, the penalty for our treachery against God is death. Because God is a God of absolute justice, but he's also a God of absolute love. How can he rescue us from the mess that we're in? Well, because God is just, a penalty must be paid for sin. And so God comes himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. He comes to die the death that we deserve. Just imagine the trial of John Amory for a moment, tried and convicted of treason against the king. But imagine, after the judge had pronounced his sentence guilty of treason, imagine that the judge stepped down from the bench and approached the dock. And then he said to the traitor, I'll take your place. I'll take your punishment. I'll die your death. The traitor can hardly believe it. He accepts this extraordinary offer and then the judge is taken away to be punished and he walks free. 
That's what Jesus does for us. Greater love has no one than Jesus to lay down his life that we might be his friends. He willingly dies the death that we deserved. He willingly suffers the punishment that was owed to us so God could forgive us and wipe away, wash away our sins. The same John who wrote John's gospel later wrote these words. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. But all of this demands a response from us. And so, thirdly, finally, remember to make a response. When the judge approaches the convict in the dock and offers to trade places, when he offers him forgiveness and freedom, the defendant still has to make a choice. He can accept the gift of freedom and forgiveness, or he can choose to reject it. And it's just the same for us. This gift of freedom and forgiveness that Jesus offers isn't ours automatically. You need to choose to accept it, to receive it. Jesus says he's coming back again. And when he returns, it won't be to die on a cross this time. No, he'll come back to wrap up history as we know it and to put an end once and for all to all the violence and war and to human sin and to bring in a new world where there'll be no more tears and no more grief and no more boys sent off to war and no more death. But in this new world, there will be no place for unforgiven sinners. Only God's forgiven people will be part of it. And so today, on this Remembrance Day, will you remember that you have a choice to make? Will you accept the gift of freedom and forgiveness that Jesus offers? Living in a so-called Christian country won't bring you forgiveness. Coming from a Christian family does not automatically bring you forgiveness. Having a kind of historic church connection, having gone to Sunday school donkeys years ago, that won't bring you this forgiveness. You need to accept it yourself from Jesus. You need to turn away from sin and turn to him. Giving your whole life over to him as your saviour, the one who rescues you. And your Lord, the new king of your life. So today is a day for remembrance. We remember with great, great gratitude those who gave their lives in armed conflict. Those who survived as well, but, but who were forever scarred in, in mind or body. But as we rightly remember them, Remember Jesus. Greater love has no one than Jesus 
who laid down his life for us. Men jostle and climb to meet the bristling fire. Lines of grey, muttering faces masked with fear. They leave their trenches going over the top while time ticks blank and busy on their wrists. And hope with furtive eyes and grappling fists flounders in the mud. Oh, Jesus, make it stop. But one day Jesus will make it stop. One day he'll return. But the question is, where will you be when he does? Will you accept his offer of peace and forgiveness? Will you have a place in his new world of peace? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all who've given their lives. But most of all today, we give you our thanks and praise for Jesus, who laid down his life so that we might be his friends. We pray that each person here today and those watching online might see the need to respond to Jesus themselves, accepting him as Saviour and Lord. And we pray in his name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Please feel free to share this podcast. And if you'd like to be up to date with each week's talk, why not search Burkhead Free Church on your favourite podcast app and hit the subscribe button. For more information, go to burkheadfreechurch.org.